Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Playoffs have always been the goal. We never threw the season away. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. We've got action from Saturday to break down. We've got the games for Sunday to preview. So let's get to it. To it. Apologies for you guys on YouTube. Yesterday's video, I screwed the audio up. It wasn't recording through the microphone. It was trying to record through the actual computer speakers and therefore it was screwed. You couldn't hear anything so I deleted the video. Uh, I do apologize for that. Sometimes my brain doesn't work at 100% capacity all the time and that's exactly what happened there. Just forgot to switch the audio in put over across on the uh, on the video software and it was recording a horrible horrible sounding audio so that's why there was there was a show yesterday which you could listen to audio only but uh, for the YouTube people it wasn't there it wasn't available because it was unlistenable to but in terms of the audio stuff that obviously came through fine on the podcast side of things let's start off with a monstrous line of the night. It's been a while since this guy's had his name mentioned in this uh, in this area, and that is Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. He uh, he handled the, the Clippers. They, uh, the Warriors dismantled the Clippers. That's probably the best way of phrasing it. Steph only played 29 minutes. They won by 46 points. Steph dropped 43. He hit nine triples. He had nine boards, six assists. He went 15 of 23 from the field, and he hit all four of his free throws after... You could argue it's been probably a little bit of a slow-ish start for Steph. He is still the sixth-ranked player for the season, averaging 25, 4, and 6, hitting four triples a game with 1.6 steals, and that efficiency is at 92% from the line, 47 from the field, and 41% from three. So still, you know, awesome numbers, but not out of this world, what the hell is going on type of numbers, which is what Steph was doing last season. So if you took him in the top four, it's not actually a horrible result to have him ranked sixth. Again, you don't want to take guys in that zone who completely bomb and you take them in that top four or top five and they end up being a top 20 player. That can really hurt you. If you grab a guy at one and he ends up at three or three and he ends up at five, it's not the end of the world. Now, you know, if you took Steph at one, it was probably the wrong decision in the first place, And that, but that's whatever. I mean, he drops to six. That's not the end of the world. He has still been useful. We've just seen his usage drop by 3% this season, and we've seen his true shooting drop by 4% as well. And that's been the major difference, I guess, in what's happened with Curry so far this season. He's playing a little bit less minutes. He's scoring less. The usage is less. The efficiency is down. But he has got room, maybe not to increase the usage, but definitely to increase his efficiency for a strong back half of the season. So a huge night from Steph as the uh, the Warriors looked, they looked unbeatable is that is that fair they looked ridiculous against the clippers the waiver wire line of the night Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson. Amara, only son. he is the 
waiver wire line of the night. It's James Johnson of the Miami Heat. Now, we've been talking about he'd had a couple of stinkers recently, and I said, look, there was a few things that were going against him. The shots weren't falling, and then he ran into foul trouble. But I said, if he hit the shots, then the numbers would look good. He hit the shots. He went 7 of 13 for 18 points. He had 8 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. That is a ex- perfect example of what Jim Johnson can do. He should be owned in all leagues. Yes, that was a real stinking run, but over the last two weeks, he's still the 120th ranked player. But it's coming because he shot 37% from the field in that time, and that's a horrible percentage considering he's a 47% shooter on the season. So you look at that, and and that's, again, part of what I always like to look at where there's cold or hot streaks is what's happening with the shooting. Is it way off? And yes, it was way off for this one. We'll talk about another one of those a little bit later on, but it was way off. And that's why I held the faith, because he was still getting the steals. He was still blocking some shots. He was still passing the ball at a very, very high rate, and that's been something... James Johnson over the last month is averaging 4.9 assists per game. Last year, he was at 1.2. And you can look, okay, he's playing more minutes. Per 36 numbers, he's at 6 assists per game per 36 over the last month. Last year, 2.6. He has turned into a facilitator. He has turned into a neck-tattooed Draymond Green. He is a guy that is just running so much for this and he's running so much for this team and this team is the Miami Heat that has now won 7 straight. 7 straight for, for literally a team who is running out guys and playing big minutes to Wayne Ellington, Scooter Magruder, Luke Babbitt. What the hell is going on with this team? The NBA is really screwed at the moment. It's screwed in just terms of things going upside down and, and weird stuff going on, and the Heat are leading that charge. They are They are flying at the moment. They're playing themselves out of a top three draft pick at the moment, which I'm sure you know. once we see how good Markel Fultz or Josh Jackson or some of these other players end up being in the NBA, they might be regretting. But they are absolutely playing well, and I guess it is thrilling their fans with what they've been doing. But Jim, a huge night from him, and he's been really good in lots of areas. It just was the shooting that was lacking. It came back, and his numbers came back as well. So that's that's great when those sort of hypothetical scenarios that I throw out there actually come true, and they make me look like maybe I've got an idea of what I'm talking about. There's another one that, again, we're going to talk about later that makes me just can look like an idiot on a daily basis. And uh, shout out to Isaiah Thomas. The young gun of the night. Carl Anthony Towns. Apparently, Townsy was sick and didn't make it out to shoot around on time because he was sleeping out the back. He got out, I think, eight or nine minutes after shoot around started, got out there and just casually dropped a 37 and 13 night with two triples and four blocks. And again, part of his early season slump, well, not part of it, the entirety of his early season slump was because he couldn't hit shots. He's gone at 50% again now. He is the fifth ranked player over the last month because he's shooting 55% from the field. He's up to 51 from the se- for the season, and it's just putting him outside the top 12, ranked 14th. He will finish the season as a top 10 guy if he continues along this track. In that last month, he's averaging 25 and 13. He's at a steal. He's at a block. He's at, no, he's at a steal. He's at a three, and he's at 1.7 blocks per game and he's hitting 83% of his free throws. He's got his true shooting percentage in that last month over what he did last year, which is what was, again, really holding him back this year. But now we're seeing just prolonged stretches of Towns just hitting shots. And I think he's hit he's hit over 50% of his shots for the last six games and nine of the last 10 games. And that this is on big volume. He's, he's really, really ramping it up at the moment. He's becoming the player that many people thought you know, could be a top, People thought he could be a top five player. I think I had him as a top eight sort of a guy. That's the sort of player that he is now turning into at the moment, putting up these numbers and doing it with stellar efficiency. And we get we did get caught up in guys like Jokic and Embiid, rightfully so, because they're ridiculous and they're fantastic. But so is this bloke. 
And you classify him as a bust to start the season because he was like the 20th ranked player for stretches. But again, there was a real reason for it. It wasn't an explainable reason. It wasn't like, I go, I know why he's missing all these shots. But the reason he's dropping is because he's missing all these shots. And if he gets that turned around, then it's going to be great. And that's that's what's happened. And that's great news for Carl Anthony Towns, for Timberwolves supporters, and for his fantasy owners. The dart of the night goes to Jabari Parker of the Milwaukee Bucks. Four points, eight boards with one assist on two of 13 shooting for Jabari. Jabari's had a breakout year. He's just barely outside the top 50 for the season, but he has been not quite himself over the last couple of weeks. And why is that? Why is he the 87th ranked player? Well, some of it is Jason Kidd, no doubt. I just want to throw any blame on Kidd that I can. But it's because he's shooting 44% from the field instead of 49%. So that's causing a big dip in his value. And that takes his Z score in that category from 0.46 for the season for over the last two weeks to negative 0.93. So a 1.5 standard deviation difference is the cause for a drop in 30 spots in the rankings. That That's what's happening. He's still averaging 7.6 rebounds. He's getting four assists, which has been huge. 0.8 steals, 0.7 blocks, 0.8 triples, 18 points. But that... Lack of efficiency is what's causing his drop down. But today was obviously a horrible performance from Jabari. Yeah, the shot just wasn't there. He wasn't doing much in the other areas either, but he's been great. I wouldn't be too too panicked about this sort of a performance from Jabari Parker. All right, let's, uh, let's now head into these games. We're going to talk about all seven games that went down on Saturday. Let's, let's move into the first one of those, which is the Sacramento Kings. And the Charlotte Hornets, the Kings with a big road victory. Boog, 35-18-4 for Boogie Cousins in 34 minutes. And he did it with brilliant percentages. 59-78, and 78, big volume. A huge night from Cousins. Only the one block, but still, you love that sort of performance. Anthony Tolliver, he turned in the sort of game that I hope that he'd be able to do more regularly with Rudy Gay out. It hasn't happened until today. But 14-7 and seven with two steals and, and four triples in 30 minutes is very intriguing. He's more a 16-team league sort of a player, but it's very intriguing, very. With him playing more minutes, Garrett Temple, who I will continue to maintain, is is not good. He he is not a good offensive player at all. He is up and down. He provides some defense, yes, but this is the concern with Garrett. Now, Garrett is fine to be owned in 12-team leagues, but his upside is so minimal. It is so minimal that... He just doesn't. He doesn't have upside, and you would own him. And I would look at any nearly anyone's twelve-team roster with Garrett Temple on it, and I would say he's your worst player. Not not a hundred percent of the time, but a good chunk of it. I'll say he's your worst player. So what does that mean? Does that mean he's worth holding through the ups and downs? A lot of the time, no. Again, he's been putting up solid-ish numbers, but his upside is so minimal. And this is two stinkers in a row from Garrett. Let's watch to see how this Tem- Temple Tolliver. Corley Stein, not really Corley Stein, but how that sort of scenario plays out. Big minutes to the two point guards. Darren Collison played 35 and scored 17 with two assists. He's really flying at the moment. Obviously, he should be owned. While Ty Lawson also got 32 minutes. Wasn't a great night from Ty. Five points with nine assists. He is a borderline 12, probably more a 14-team league guy in most scenarios. Big Azar Aflalo, 13 with four assists. Just uh, chalk, chalk those four assists up to four assists that you never should expect from him again. But he's had a couple of decent nights in a row, but just leave that to the very deep leagues. While Malachi Richardson turned in a nice little uh, two-point performance in 13 minutes, but I like that he got the minutes. What about Will Cauley-Stein? He had 13 points in 14 minutes. That's obviously a huge uh, chunk of production, but we cannot trust Cauley-Stein. He's not getting enough minutes to even be on the radar, even on the watch list at this point. 
for the uh, Hornets, Kemba, 26-3-7 and seven with a steal and a block and on 50% shooting. And just after I said Nick Batum a couple of days ago is going to be a punt field goal guy, he's gone out and shot 55% for 19-7-7 and seven with 40 minutes. So big numbers from the Hornets, big two guys, but the rest... With Cody Zeller out, they struggle. He is so important. And again, you could say the name Cody Zeller to any NBA fan, I reckon. You could say he is the third best player on this Hornets team and one of the most indispensable. Well, he's the third most indispensable team, and he is really good. And people would go, you're joking. Yeah, that big, goofy, white guy from uh, from Indiana. People don't know how good Cody Zeller is. He is very good. It doesn't necessarily translate to fantasy, although you know I believe he's under-owned. But he is very good, and he is integral to what they do because Roy Hibbert and Spencer Hawes, they can't do it. Hawes had 12-7 and in 28 minutes. Now, he puts up the fantasy stats when Zeller's out. There's no denying that. We've said that over and over again, but he's just not a good player. Marv Williams had 14 points with not a lot else, while Ballinelli had seven, and Jezza Lamb out of the rotation once again. Kid Gilchrist only saw 19 minutes, but he battled foul trouble, so that's part of the reason. He still had four blocks and a steal with nine points and six boards. MKG definitely can be used in 12s if you're just looking to, to deal with his specific categories, but he's far from a, a must-own type of a player. Detroit and Miami. Andre Drummond. Big night for Drummo, 17 and 20, three steals and two blocks. You can't really argue too much with that. It was a good matchup for him going up against Hassan Whiteside, but uh, it's always a risky proposition with Drummo. Reggie Jackson had 24 and 7 on 59% shooting, which is great. And both Toby Harris and Mark- Marcus Morris had 7 of 11 shooting. Toby had 16 points. Marcus, this is what he does. He played 36 minutes and had 14 points. So 14 points is fine. He goes, shit, it just takes this guy so bloody long to put up numbers, which become borderline. And that's that's what he is at this point in his career. Johnny Lua, the, the, uh, the fishing rod, he had eight points in 24 minutes, and a rebound and an assist. He's still fine to own in 12s, but obviously not exciting. While KCP was horrible. Two of 11 for five points with an assist and a steal. He'll be better than that, but don't overrate him. I think a lot of people do overrate Contavious Caldwell-Pope. for, And not everyone does, but I do get the occasional, um, oh yeah, should I have KCP or Reggie Jackson? To me, that's an absolute no-brainer in favor of Reggie Jackson. But some people do overrate Caldwell-Pope a little bit. For the Heat, there was no Joshie Richardson again, no Tyler Johnson Hassan Whiteside was back, but he wasn't good. 9-12. and 12. At least he had the two blocks, but he has been really, really struggling these last couple of weeks. It is by-low season, but it is very by-low season. It is throw Cody Zeller at him if Cody Zeller wasn't hurt. That's the sort of level. Throw Marvin Williams. Throw Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Throw, throw anyone, because the Hassan Whiteside owner is pissed in the majority of cases. I wanted 3.7 blocks per game from this guy. What's happening... Um, and again, prevailing thoughts always always seem to linger with some people. He's lazy. He got paid, man. He doesn't want to try anymore, which is bullshit. But that 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 does prevail amongst people. Nah, man. He got his he got his contract. You know, once they get contracts, people stop playing. Not true. But that goes through. So they're pissed. They wasted a, a pick on him, so they believe. And you can get him for throw Marcus Morris at him, throw Toby Harris, throw the fishing rod. Throw any of these guys and see. Go, you, know, you hate Whiteside so much. Why don't you give him to me? But you do have to watch for, for punt free throws with him. Goran Dragic, 23 points with four assists, was a decent night from him. And, and Wayno Ellington, he's putting up some good numbers. 34 minutes for Wayno, 19 points with five triples. But as always, whenever I look at Wayne, let's look at the field goal percentage. Oh, yeah, he went seven of 10. So he pulled that out of his ass. He's just as likely to go 30% in the next game. And he gives nothing in any other area. So he's a great point stream. He's a great three-point stream. He's a great GPP DFS play. 
but he's shit outside everything else. So he's not a 12-team league guy that I'm interested in. Scooter Magruder had a nice one, 12 points in 26 minutes with two triples for Scooter. And of course, with Hassan back, Will Reed went back to the bench and he had two points in his 19 minutes. Also, Dion Waiters. Remember that deficient Dion Waiters? Not so much. 17 points on 18 shots. Still had seven assists, but you are going to cop it. You're going to cop it hard with the field goal percentage with Waiters the majority of the time. And that might be the difference between owning him or not owning him. But whilst uh, Josh is out, whilst Tyler's out, he's fine. Once they come back, he is not getting these minutes. He's not playing 34. He is not taking the most shots on the team. He is not dominating the ball. In fact, he should never be dominating the ball in any scenario. But it does happen, especially when two of your best guards are out of the lineup. This is the guy I want to talk about because... Next game, Boston, Boston, Milwaukee. Isaiah Thomas. 41 minutes for Isaiah, 37 points, six triples, three rebounds, eight assists, and one steal. And he did it on 11 of 21 shooting, which calculates at 52% shooting. And the reason I want to bring it up, because you know that I, you, um, that, that I talk about Isaiah Thomas and I say the guy's going to regress. And someone sent me a tweet before. They go, at at what point, Josh, do we need to stop thinking of regression and just start thinking that this is the guy, this is who he is, and he's just going to be this player moving forward? I keep being made to look like an idiot with Isaiah because I keep trotting out stats and saying, nobody, nobody can maintain a true shooting percentage of 65% with a usage of 34%, which is what Isaiah Thomas is doing over the last two months because literally nobody has ever done it in the history of the NBA outside of nine players whose the most minutes any of those players had played in one season was six. Nobody has ever done it before. But Isaiah Thomas continues to make me look stupid. He is using an inordinate amount of of possessions and he is shooting at a stupid rate. He is at 51% from the field in the last month. 51 46% from three, that is a 67% true shooting. So not only did I say, oh, you can't maintain 65 true shooting and 34 usage, he went, yeah, what, Josh, what are you talking about? I'm going bigger. I'm going 67% true shooting. I'm going 35% usage. And you can sit on that and enjoy it. And I went, what do I do? What do I continue to say? No logic makes this make sense. Nothing makes sense. It It never happens with anybody. Shaq, Shaq couldn't do this. Hakeem then they couldn't do this. They couldn't shoot this efficiently with this many possessions. Nobody can ever do it. Nobody, ever, ever. Michael Jordan could not do this. LeBron cannot do this. How is this happening? How is it continuing to happen? He is at 62% true shooting on the season with a usage of 34. How is this happening? He is either going to have the best offensive season almost of all time, efficiency-wise, or is he is going to crater his ass off and be a bum for the last two months? Like a bum. Like a guy that comes out on 48% true shooting for two months. I don't think it gets that extreme, but I, I still, for all the evidence to the contrary, I cannot believe that this continues to happen. I will stick with that, and Isaiah Thomas will continue to make me look stupid. He makes everyone look stupid. He was the 60th pick in the draft. The Kings gave up on him. Gave up on him. The Phoenix Suns gave him up for Marcus Thornton. He makes everyone look stupid. So I'm, I'm in decent company. But nothing that is happening here makes any sort of logical sense to me at all. And that's what I sort of have to go by with this stuff. I have to go by, does it make sense that this can happen? And the answer is clearly no. 
but it's clearly happening. Jay Crowder also is on a real run at the moment. 20 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists with 4 triples as the uh, as the Celtics got over the Bucks in overtime. And Kali Olenek, yes, this is my Kali Olenek. 36 minutes for Cal, 17 and 7 with 3 assists in those 36 minutes with Al Horford out. This is what I, I want him to do every single night, but I, um, I'm realistic. I know that this will not happen. I think it's the best, but I, I know it won't happen. Jalen Brown played 28 minutes, 9 and 8 with two steals and a block. His role is going to diminish significantly when Avery Bradley comes back. So it's been nice and it's been good seeing some increased production from Brown, but it's not sticking. While Amir Johnson played 25 minutes, had 11 and 7. Jonas Jurepko was a stinker, missed all four of his shots for zero points in 18 minutes, and he started. So it's going to be real interesting to see what Stevens does. When Horford comes back, does he keep Amir? Does he go with Jonas? Does Maybe Kelly Linick get a chance to show the NBA world that he is, in fact, the, the fifth best player or the sixth best player on this team. I think that he is, clearly. It's it's Thomas, it's Horford, it's Smart, it's Bradley, it's Crowder, and I think the next player is Olenek. But he hasn't really had that opportunity to shine, and if he gets a 25-plus minute role, then he's a must-own player. It's as simple as that, in my opinion. For the Bucks, Thonmaker. Yep, the maker started. Miles Plumley to the bench. John Henson. At least we at least we got the three center rotation back in action. Johnny Henson was back in action for seven minutes. Now, Jason, I, I could have told you that Miles Plumley's bad. I could have told you that John Henson's bad. But changing every two games, it, it's it's a weird situation. I'm it's great seeing Thon out there. He's not ready for it, but it's good seeing him out there. Why do you just? refuse to say, I can't start Greg Munro. Like, what is it about that? There's just, I cannot, like, I, I, I can't start him. And as I say all the time, the excuse that comes out, are oh, we like him better with the bench unit? Like, Jason, everyone plays with the bench unit. We aren't doing hockey subs. Everyone plays with the bench unit. Munro was great, 14 and 13, but three steals and three blocks is huge in his 35 minutes. Hey, if we knew that, it'd be 50 minute, a top 50 production from, from Munro. But it's, it's Jason Kidd, so dickery is going to happen, and we're going to see 17 minutes for Griggy in another game, and the Bucks lose this one too. As for Thon, yeah, that's a 30-team league ad. It's maybe a 20, but he had four and two with a steal and a block. But I will say this, he looks better than Miles Plumley out there. He's maybe the, an equal to John Henson. I'm not a big John Henson fan, as you are well aware. So, you know, maybe in a 16-team, let's take a flyer. The, it might be able to be done, but he's just not going to be able to play big minutes and have big impacts. The Michael Beasley roller coaster continued. You know, 20-plus minutes, big points. 20-plus minutes, big points. 20-plus minutes, big points. Oh, DMPCD, DMPCD, DMPCD. Oh, 22 minutes, 17 points. Work your shit out, kid. 17 and 8 for Beasley in 22 minutes while the point guard mess. What was going on there? Well, of course, we gave 33 minutes to Tone Snell. He had 12 points with four triples. Daly had 14, 3, and 6 in 28. And Brogo played 32, 11, 2, and 5. Remember Rashad Vaughn played 30 minutes in the last game? DNPCD. This is why I think Jason Kidd is a horrible, horrible coach. What was the point of Rashad Vaughn playing 30 minutes in the last game? What was the point? What was any point of it? None. The answer is nothing. There is no point to it. Daly, fine in 12s. Brogo, fine in 12s. Snell, yeah, your deeper league sort of scenario for him. Yanni, 21-6-6 with a block in 45 minutes. A good night from Yanni, but nothing too uh, overly spectacular. 
Let's talk about the Clippers and the Warriors because I, I don't know if I really want to because this was an absolute ass caning. Blake Griffin, only the 23 minutes, 20 and 4. But no one was need, needed to play big minutes. Of course, Austin Rivers played 38, but no one else needed to play big minutes. Rivers had 10, 2, and 6 on some poor shooting. He should still be owned everywhere. And there's not a lot to really read into it. There's stuff you can read out of it, but that, that doesn't make sense. But I mean that if you look at uh, fat face Ray Felton and go, oh, Felton had 28, he went 10, 7, and 5, do I own him? No, this was a weird situation. This is a game that Diamond Stone played 5 minutes, and that's all you need to know. Diamond Stone played five minutes. The game is not real. So Felton's going to go back to a sub-20-minute role. And that puts him in the 16 to 18 team leagues zone. For the Warriors, Durant, 23-4-7. He's just rocks, not even rock solid, 9 of 11 from the field. 97% true shooting. That was pretty good. How's the Draymond Green line? Just the 26 minutes. 5-5-5, five, 2-2. Five, and five, two and two. Five points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, two blocks. Just a lot of, I guess, symmetry there in that line. While the Warriors were able to limit the minutes of their stars, and we saw your numerous players getting into the game. Pat McCaw with five points in his 18 minutes, and uh, JaVale had nine, three, and 10. JaVale's actually creeping up for the deeper league, so he's not unownable in certain formats. He's getting some decent numbers, probably just an 18-team league guy, but he's playing better. The Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns. How did the uh, Nuggets go in the first game? Songs, Nikola Jokic. Well, I still put up 123 points. And Yusuf Nurkic started, and he was piss poor. 15 minutes for Nurk, five points with four boards. Wasn't a great night. Now, the Nuggets have no other centers. So Ken Fareed stepped up, and I have given Kenneth Fareed a lot of shit. I don't believe he's a very good player, but he has been really, really impressive to me lately. I love the fit with him of him with Jokic. As long as he, and this is this is the case with so many players, and, and I say this all the time, as long as they're put in the correct role and they are they are doing what they can do without having to do what they can't do, then they're fine. Fareed also chimed in with two steals and two blocks. He went 21 and 13 in 37 minutes. He's not going to play that many minutes when Jokic is around and he's a borderline guy in that scenario, but while Jokic is out, fine. Now, if he did pick up Nurkic... I wouldn't be too... Look, it was a shit-ass game, but I wouldn't be too bothered. But what this really does is it makes us think back. Let's think back to November. Let's think back to October. And I legitimately got people saying this to me. I think that Yusuf Nurkic is going to finish the season as a better fantasy player than of Nikola Jokic. I also said I don't think that's accurate. And then that continued to happen in November. Nurkic is going to be the better player. I picked them both. Why did I take the wrong Denver center so early? Why did I take Jokic? I should have just stuck with Nurkic. He's the best center there. Yeah, 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 no. Um, and then it makes us think back to Michael Malone. You know what? I have I don't fault Malone at all for trying them out together. But when it didn't work, and it was clear that it didn't work, Jokic to the bench should it should almost be an automatic firing. And and keeping him on the bench behind Nurkic, it should be an automatic firing, really. Farton Will Barton had six points in his 20 minutes with five boards and three assists. No point for him in 12s, I don't believe. Or Darrell Arthur, who'd been playing well. Let, let's stick with Darrell. Darrell Arthur had three and three in 15 minutes, while Wilson Chandler. I thought Chandler was in for a massive go here. Two of 10 for six points in 23 minutes, with all the minutes going to Ken Fareed. The Rooster, Danilo Gallinari, 32 and 8 in 37 minutes. Big night from the Rooster. Well, Jamal Murray, this was a good night from Murray. 18 points on seven of 10 shots in 23 minutes. Um, you know, I do really like Murray. 
I'm not quite as big of a Murray fan as what, say, Nate Duncan is, who is the Murray cheerleader, but I do believe Murray's going to be a very good player, and I do value him highly in dynasty formats, but I don't think he's going to be knocking on the 12-team door this year. Jameer Nelson, as long as Manny Moutier's out, he's worth it 17, 3, and 6 in 33 minutes. And what about Gaz Harris? Big night from Gaza, 15, 8, and 4, with two steals in those 35 minutes. He's had two poor games since he came back, two good games. I think he's a very, very underrated player, and he's almost in that Cody Zeller zone of players that people don't know about that are actually really good. For the Suns, Eric Bledsoe uh, couldn't get the victory, but he got himself a career high, 41 points in 45 minutes, six rebounds, eight assists, two steals. Yeah, he has had been, he's been huge for the last two months, Bledo. And uh, Tyson Chandler, well, when you can play Tyson Chandler 40 minutes a game, any opportunity you can, you have to do it. I think it's an NBA bylaw that any opportunity you can get to play washed up players as many minutes as possible, let's do it. 40 minutes for Chandler and 36 minutes for PJ Tucker, fantastic. 15 and 13 for Chandler with two steals. Now, they're both actually good, so it is hard for me to be too critical, although they lost by 11 points to the jokic Nuggets. PJ Tucker, 12, 6, and 5 in 36 minutes. Good night from him, but he's more a 14 to 16 team league guy. And we can look at TJ Warren and go, oh, shit, that's that's yuck. Too bad TJ Warren's back, but I will give him a pass here because it was foul trouble. 20 minutes, 6, and 5, but he racked up 5,000 that time, so that enabled PJ to get those minutes. It also enabled Leandro Barbosa to come into the rotation and play 16 minutes. Brandon Knight was uh, was basically disgusting. Um, he was he was terrible. Two points in 16 minutes on one of eight shooting. Nothing uh, nothing too exciting about that. Obviously, not a great uh, not a great performance at all there from him. And uh, Alex Len back to the eight minutes with Marquise Chris getting his 17. So not not a great night there. Devin Booker, 23 points, eight of 16. That's fantastic. But then he turns in just weird like a seven of 11 night from the line. What the hell is this? I didn't I didn't ask for that. That wasn't a great free throw night from Devon. And not much not much else in the other lines, but still a steady night, a good scoring night, and didn't tank your field goal percentage, which at this point with, with Devon Booker is, is always a plus. Let's look at Brooklyn and Minnesota. Karis Levert was back. The minutes are creeping up for Karis. 27 minutes, 11 and 4, two steals, one block, one triple. You know that I like him. You know that I like him a lot. I do feel it's going to be tough for him to get 30 plus, but if you own him in 12 team leagues or if you want to own him, who am I to tell you no? he's exciting. He's got potential. You know, I think he can be legitimately a top 75 guy probably next season. I think he can be that high. I I really do value him, but he's going to have random rest days. He's going to have unofficial minutes limits, and it is going to limit what he can do. So if you're battling for the playoffs, Levert is a high upside guy that maybe they give 30 minutes to in March. Maybe. I'm not even convinced of that. But I am convinced he's getting 25 a night each night that he plays moving forward. And that's going to be enough for 14s. And it's fine to hold in a I'm secure in the playoffs type of zone. But if you're really fighting, it's tough. Brookie Lopez was back 25 and 7 with a steal and two blocks. While Isaiah Whitehead had 10 points with eight assists and Spencer Dinwiddie, he had 13, 4 and 5. So the Nets point guards are actually putting up decent numbers at the moment. They're still more 14 to 16 team league guys though. Trev Booker, get get on. You just don't own him. No point in that. And same with uh, Shawnee Kilpatrick, who had 14 points in 25. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, not a great night from Rondé. He uh, suffered from some ankle soreness and lasted only eight minutes, while Boyan Bogdanovich was horrific. He is a stream. He is a 14-team league sort of a player. Only for the Wolves, 
Zachy Levine, he's back in business. 20 and 6, 2 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 3 triples. Big night from him. And Shabazz Muhammad is really, really putting his foot on the gas. Loving what I'm seeing from Shabazz. Now, I haven't been a big Muhammad fan for a while, but I liked a few of the things that he started to do last season. He's not the best fantasy contributor because he's very much an empty field goal, sorry, an empty points guy, but he's a beast offensive rebounding for his position. He's fantastic at that. He's a high, pretty high field goal percentage guy. He is starting to hit threes now. If you get three assists out of him a season, I reckon you're pretty happy with that. Not per game, like three assists total per season. You should feel count yourself lucky. But it was a decent night from Shabazz, and he is moving into that 14, probably 16-team league zone as he takes this role as the guy that gets nearly all the minutes off the bench ahead of Nemanja Bielica, who only played 14. Chrissy Dunn had 26 and went 2-5-7. and seven. That just looks like a Rubio line, whereas for Rubio, he only played the 22 minutes as he got into foul trouble. But this is a very un-Rubio line, 14 points on nine shots. Three boards and six assists for Rick. 23-3-4 for Wigo with a triple one. You can't really ask for much more than that from Wiggins, to be honest. That is a nice night from him. And Gorgie Jang, 12-10 and 10 with two steals. So good nights from the, the Wolves as they really smacked it down on Brooklyn and won by 20 points in the end. Let's go to the last game of the night, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Utah Jazz. Mike Conley. Only needed 23 minutes in a, in a seven point victory, no, 28 minutes to get 23 points. 23, three and three, two steals and three triples on great efficiency. While Marcus Ole, he did have to play Rudy Gobert. So if you look at the stats and go, why are they a little bit down? It's Rudy Gobert. 18, four and five for Mark with four triples. Zachy Randolph, huge night from him. Now him and Jermichael Green being able to work it out. It's basically impossible. 34 minutes for Zach, 28 and nine while Green had nine, four and two in 26. That's just as likely to mean we get a 15 and 10 double double from green in the next game was Zebo goes six and seven, but Zebo's putting up numbers and I'd have no objection to adding him in a 12 team league. As long as you consider him one of your worst players and be ready to move on. If it's uh, if it becomes necessity, necessity, necessary. That's the word I'm looking for. No Chandler Parsons. Again, almost impossible to hold him in 12 team leagues. Well, Jimmy Ennis started and had eight and four in his 23, still just a deeper league sort of player. Jermichael has no spot in a 12 teamer for the uh, jazz. Rudy Gobert was solid, but he played Gasol, so that, that limits what he can do. 15-9 and nine for Rude, 38 minutes, a steal, a block, good numbers. Well, Rod Hood, after an inauspicious return from injury in the last game, had 20 points with four triples, did it efficiently. You'd love, love him for 12s, on the fence in 10-team leagues, but this is a good step forward. Georgie Hill had 16, Gordy Haywood had 14, 8-5, and, and Alec Burks chipped in 15 points in 16 minutes. With Hood getting those minutes back, with Burksy playing a little bit more, Joey Ingles only saw 15 minutes, while Joey Johnson had 27. Now, this was a game that Derek Favors was out resting. It's getting, it is getting tough to own Favors. I still would be okay with it, but... He just, they, they, in shooter and they just said he just doesn't have any life. Well, that seems like a little bit of an aggressive statement. Like the dude's not dead, but the fact that he's just not feeling it at all this season. And I was all aboard just, you know, Stash is going to come good. But the last probably week or so, there's no positive signs coming from him really. And not necessarily just his on-court play, just words that are coming out, rotations that are happening, the thought process of the team, nothing positive is coming that way. And that's what I read into more than him having a, a four point game or an 18 point game. It's about how they're viewing him moving forward or how the underlying thought process is. Trey Lyles was a disappointment. He had, he's been a disappointment all year, to be honest. I really like Trey Lyles and this is a great time to attack his owner in dynasty, deep dynasty and try and get him because he has been horrible and I think he can be better. Zero points in 21 minutes with one rebound. He can be a lot better than this, but he has, uh, 
He has definitely not shown it so far this season. He has been the opposite of good so far through. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and then I will be back, and we're going to start talking about DFS action that's coming up for Sunday. All right, guys, we're back. Let's talk perfect DFS now. Let's go to Fangel. Steph had 60.8, and Bledsoe had 59.7 at shooting guard. Two of my favorite shooting guards in the entire NBA, Gaz Harris, 34.6, and Rod Hood at 28.3. The Rooster went for 39.1, and Shabazz went for 29.9. At power forward, two two of my least favorite. That doesn't sound right, because I don't dislike... Uh, either of these guys, personally, I don't think that they're horrible players. Um, Ken Farid at 46.4. Maybe I have said he's horrible at times, but he's not horrible. He's just horrible in the role that he's been put in at times. And Zebo at 41.3. And at center, Carl Anthony Towns at 62.1 for a total of 402.2. And that costs 59900 Over on DraftKings, Steph 66.75. Gaz, 35.5. Shabazz at 31.25. Carl Anthony Towns at 66.25. Greggy Munro, 44.75. Eric Bledsoe, 63. Anthony Tolliver, 35.25. And Ken Fareed at 48.5 for a total of 391.25. And that is $50,000 worth of your DraftKings salary. Shout out to Andy as well, who does some writing over on Roto Grinders, who uh, dropped a couple of... uh, of, uh, of my nicknames for players into his latest article, dropped a, a Lord Alfred Payton in there and uh, and dropped one of these in there for Jeff Teague. My name is Jeff. Appreciate it. I really appreciate the uh, the uh, the uh, proliferation of ridiculous nicknames because uh, I want them out there. Lord Alfred Payton is one I want to take over. The pencil is the other one. I want the pencil really, really to kick off. So, Andy, if you're writing anything about Harrison Barnes, I need the pencil in there. That needs to get in there. That's the, that's the one we want to grow. That's the one we want to take off. If I ever hear the pencil being uh, Harrison Barnes related to the pencil on like a TV broadcast, I pretty much retire then and there. I retire from thinking, oh, not retire, because then you, you won't encourage it because you want to listen to the podcast. I retire from trying to make stuff happen. Does that make sense? I'll just be happy. Let's f- phrase it as that. If I can get the pencil on as a nickname for Harrison Barnes on a television broadcast, I'll be happy. There you go. That's what we need to do. Let's talk about these games that are coming up for Sunday's action. We've got two early ones. We've got the um, New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks, which takes place at 3 p.m. Eastern. Then the next game is 3.30 p.m. Then the rest of the game start at 6 p.m. So just make sure you're checking out your contests and which games are actually included, which games aren't. I know here for Draft Stars that the the first two games aren't included, and I think the majority of... Uh, Moneyball contests have exactly the same scenario. The first game, the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are favored by eight, and the total is 211. Derek Rose is listed as doubtful with that sprained left ankle. There is zero chance to me that Rose is playing here, so it's all aboard Brando Jennings. And as a result, the sites have already bumped up his uh, salary, but not enough to make you say, nah, forget about it. In the last game that Rose left halfway through, Brando had 27 points in 31 minutes, and his salary has now gone up to 4,600 on Fangel and 44 on DraftKings, but that's fine. I feel pretty good about Brandon Jennings getting 25 points in this one and smashing through that salary, no problem. So to me, he is going to be 70% owned in cash, maybe. It's going to be real high. So in a tournament, that might not be the best way to go. That might be a fade scenario. In cash, avoiding Jennings is going to be really hard to do. The other thing is, is he takes on the Atlanta Hawks, and we know how well point guards have done going up against the Atlanta Hawks this season. Now, it actually has changed that ridiculous run where opposition point guards could do everything they wanted to has changed. 
they're not as horrible as they have been at that position. But it is still something to bear in mind. At the beginning of the season, the Knicks were one of the hardest teams to point guards to go up against. That's not the case anymore. Dennis Schroeder, he's at 6,800. He has had a little bit of a quiet run, averaging under 30 over the last three, but at 6,800 on Fangio, I feel pretty okay about Schroeder being able to get close to 35 points here. Over on DraftKings, he's at 6,200. I feel equally fine about using him over there. If the other guy, not the other guy, if Brandon Jennings doesn't get the bulk of the minutes, which Hornacek, we know Hornacek can throw things up in the air at any point, Ronnie Baker is the guy that might be interesting. He's at 3,500. That would be a real contrarian GPP play. It's probably got one in a thousand chance of working, but maybe that's what you need. There is no Tarbo Cephalosha for the Atlanta Hawks. So Timmy Hardaway, now I nearly always will go on and tell you, Timmy Hardaway is a GPP guy. Timmy Hardaway is a GPP guy. And on Fangel at 4,600, he probably still is a GPP guy. On DraftKings at 41, with Tarbo out, I feel okay about him in cash. I feel that he can get at least 23 points here in this role where he should be guaranteed instead of 24 minutes, but he can get 28 minutes or 29 minutes. I feel good that he's going to be able to exceed 30 minutes in this game. And at 4,100, that actually makes him a decent cash play. Throw in the fact, if you want to have a revenge narrative, it's here in this one. I think this is a decent Timmy Hardaway spot, and I, and I don't normally love him for cash, but I think it's all right. Justin Holiday, maybe he's a revenge factor as well against the Atlanta Hawks. He's at 3,600. He's actually put up some very nice numbers lately. He's averaging 17 over the last three. 17 points at 3,600. That's two thumbs up, three thumbs up. It's however many thumbs up you want to give it. It's really good. And 3,100 on DraftKings at 18 points. Again, that's 6X we're talking about, basically, just a little bit under. So that's that's okay as well. There's obviously a lot of risk associated with Holiday because he could play 30, he could play 18, he could play 6. We don't know how Hornacek's going to run the bench because Hornacek doesn't know how Hornacek is going to run the bench. Courtney Lee's actually been putting up numbers, and that is very much the antithesis of what Courtney Lee normally does. 4,500 on Fangel and 4,200 on DraftKings, and he's been getting around 30 points a game recently, which at those prices is fantastic. The matchup is fine as well. Um, I don't have full faith in Courtney Lee at all, but I, I feel not bad about him in this spot. But you, you couldn't get me to say I'm convinced that he's going to be great. Kent Bazemore at 4,800, no Tarbo. So again, just a few more minutes onto Kent, and it's Kent Bazemore though. He is more GPP than Tim Hardaway. He is less reliable than Timmy in my uh, estimation. At 4,800, no problems with considering him. The 5,000 on DraftKings, again, no problem. But I wouldn't want to do it in cash on either on either side. Just look at him as a GPP sort of a player. Mallow at eight thousand. I think it's a good a good spot here for Mallow. He did get ejected the last time he played against the Hawks from memory, but he has been crushing at a pretty good rate. In fact, his lowest score in his last five Mallow is thirty three. Which when you're spending eight thousand bucks, thirty three points as a floor is is not terrible. That's that's actually a really solid and safe floor number. He's at seventy four on DraftKings, which feels spectacularly good. So I do like Mallow if you're looking to spend up a little bit at small forward. Mike Dunleavy will probably get some extra run. He's at 35 minutes, but honestly, apart from like a couple of games when he first started with Atlanta, he's been horrific for majority of this season. I don't feel that great about looking at him while Mindaugas Kuzminskas has dropped off recently. Chris Stapps. Well, so just- yep. He is now at 6,600. He dropped 27 in the last game, so still not enough to get to that 6,600 zone, but I have to feel, you have to keep considering him a GPP guy. I won't stop considering him a GPP guy. 6,100 on DraftKings is super appealing. I don't have the cash reliability at all, 
but I think that he's a pretty good GPP option. While Paulie Millsap, eh, not a great game in the last one for Paul when he dropped 14 points on DraftKings, and his numbers haven't quite been there, but this matchup is good. It is tasty. He's averaging 42 on DraftKings the last three times he played the Knicks. He is still averaging 34.5 points the last five games, including that 14-point Turdberger. So I think Paul at 76 on DraftKings and the 8,000 on FanDuel is okay to look at. I wouldn't trust him a huge amount at this point, but if I am going to trust him in any matchup, it's probably going to be this one against the New York Knicks. At center, Dwight Howard. Yeah, I, yeah, Dwight Howard. Joke him, Noah. How are you going to stop Dwight? Now, Dwight's not awesome, but how's, how's Noah stopping him? Bill, Cock, like none of these guys are going to be able to stop Dwight Howard to a degree. So Howard, I feel, is a really decently safe center option at that sort of a price. Now, at 7,300 on DraftKings, I'm probably not as high. But 73 on Fangio, no worries. Now, as for the Knicks centers, who knows? Who has any idea? Nobody knows. Nobody has a clue. In the last game, Kyler Quinn had 26 points in 16 minutes. Bill Hernan Gomez went 15 in 15. Now, who knows where the minutes are going to... One thing I do know is it's not going to be Noah. I want nothing to do with Joachim Noah at all. It's not going to be him. He, he's horrible. He, he's terrible. It's not worth looking at him. But Bill, Cock... One of these guys is going to put up numbers. We just don't know which. So that means in cash games, you can just scrub any notion of relying upon either of these players. In a tournament, Kylo Quinn has the better upside. He is a guy that can produce more in limited minutes. Whether he gets those minutes is something that we just don't know at this point. We've got no idea whether that's going to happen because you know, Jeff Hornacek chops and changes like anything, like the wind blows. So it is a real tough scenario. You're ruling them out of cash game consideration, I believe. All right, let's go to the next game now. We're talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs are favored by seven, and the total is 220.5 points. Let's talk point guards, of course. We talk point guards. We must start with Russell Westbrook, who now takes on the defensive might of Kyrie Irving. It's a good matchup for Russ. We know how good he can be. Um... I feel okay about Russ. Now, it's a lot of, it's a lot of money. It's $12,600. That is a lot of salary to spend on Russ, but we're getting close to 60 most nights that he goes out there. He's at 12-7 on DraftKings, and in fact, he's averaging 69 over the last three. Giggity! Um, is he a must-play guy? No one is ever really a must-play guy. There's always nuance to it. But Russ is totally fine to use in cash. I'm not convinced that he is a great GPP option at that price because where's the upside in him? It's still probably there because he can obviously drop 80 or 70. But dropping 70 at 12,700 is not really that exciting. It's not that brilliant. It's good. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the same as dropping 40 at 3,500. So that's... That's the little bit of the concern I have for Russ in a GPP sense. As for Kyrie, well, the Russ defense isn't good. 8,600 for Irving, um, averaging 47 over the last three. Yeah, I just don't feel totally into it. 8,200 on DraftKings. I feel a little bit better at that, but I'm not totally in on Kyrie Irving in this matchup. I like Vic Oladipo, though. He's at 6,100. He's putting up some solid numbers. He's averaging 29 over the last three. The defense-wise here, this is a matchup that shooting guards can really put up some numbers against the Cavs. He's at 57 on DraftKings. I really like Oladipo. Probably favor him more on DraftKings, but still, I think he's one of the better mid-price shooting guards that's out there. Uh, Iman Shumpert really struggled in the last game. That salary makes him almost a no, a non-starter. 43 on Fangio, 41 on DraftKings. That tops out any valuableness 
that's not a word, value is the word I'm looking for. That that reduces that value, that increased salary. So that's uh that's a no from me. Small forward, Robertson. Nah, let's move on. Let's talk um LeBronald. He's at ten thousand seven hundred. I feel okay about LeBron. You know he's playing a shit ton of minutes. I don't think this is going to be a blowout scenario. So LeBron should be able to get to 50 in no concern. 9,900 on DraftKings, again, very little concern. That should be 50 plus, and that's that's almost a winning move. Over, it's not a winning move, but it's it's a it's a pretty solid one. Now, a guy who could jump up in Ennis Cantor's absence is Jeremy Grant. Now, he is a minimum salary player over on both sites, Fangio and DraftKings. 35 on Fangio, 3,000 on DraftKings. He's going to play some extra minutes. He can block shots in bunches. I don't feel great about him in cash on Fangio. I would definitely feel okay about him in cash on DraftKings. At 3000 bucks. I know I can get 20 points out of him. And the excess, the increased role here might really work for him. I love it in tournaments on both sides, but he is a guy that is going to have to take on some extra responsibility with Cantor on the shelf for uh, at least at least a month, probably two months, it's looking like at this point. Power forward, DeMontis Sabonis is another guy that's going to need to step up. Now, in the last game, he played 29 minutes and he had 16 points. That's not great. But he's a minimum salary player on Fangio. He's a minimum salary player on DraftKings. So like Jeremy Grant, like you get your 18 points, you get your 20 points at those salaries. You know, 3,000 bucks, get 20 points. Bang. That's it. Love it. Cash there. And on an upside scenario, he can actually get out there and score 30. And you score 30 at $3,000, that's 10x. And that's a huge, that's a winning start. So Sabonis and Grant are two players who are going to have to step up in Cantor's absence. Kev Love is at 8000 bucks. I think that's just fine. I don't know if there's much upside in it, but I feel pretty decent about him in a, in a cash game scenario. At center, Steve Adams is going to have play more minutes. I'm convinced of that as well. He's at 6000 bucks on Fangio. I'm not totally in love with that price, but 5600 in DraftKings, I'm fine with. He should be looking to exceed 30 points most times that he goes out there these days. So I feel pretty good about him at 5600 yeah, $6,000 is fine, but it's not, it's not spectacularly good. Tristan Thompson had a nice game in the last one, 27 points, but he has been struggling to get to 20 on most nights, and that 4900 price is a little bit prohibitive. If you want a sneaky punt, it's Joffrey Laverne, who is a minimum salary center who could absorb majority of Cantor's minutes. I don't know what Billy Donovan's going to do. I would be doubtful. Laverne didn't really play much in that game that Cantor got hurt. But coaches will often not run the same rotation when a guy gets hurt in-game because then they go home and majority of the time they overthink it and they go, yeah, well, this didn't, what I did off at my gut didn't, didn't work. Let's look at some other things. Let's go try and be too fancy. Let's get the guy who was a DNPCD. Let's play him 30 minutes. Just all that sort of random shit the coaches do. And that's that's an opportunity for Laverne. Of course, we are looking at him as a GPP guy and a GPP only guy. I don't think we can really consider him anything else at uh, at this point in his career. But I used to, I'm still a decent supporter of Joffrey. Um, I think he can be a, a, a useful rotational player in the NBA. I'm sure that doesn't really matter too much at this point though. Houston and Indiana, we've got the um the Rockets are favored by three points on the road over the paces. The total is a very, very nice 225.5 points. Eric Gordon is listed as questionable after missing the last couple of games with back tightness and for the uh for the paces, Kevan Serafin is questionable with a sore knee. Rod Stuckey is also listed as doubtful with that hamstring man. Stuckey's played about two minutes it feels like this entire season. Let's talk point guards. 
My name is Jeff. Teague, he is at 7,900. He's been putting up good numbers, but a $700 price rise plus the Pat Beverly Pitbull, no. Can't, can't, cannot get behind that sort of a salary for Jeff. Now on DraftKings, where he's at 7,200, let's go. That's fine. Totally fine. Putting up 39 a game over the last three. And yeah, Beverly is a negative impact. But you've got salary to play around with there with Teague. So I feel okay about using him. But at almost 8,000 on Fangio, you know, you can do better. Pat Bev at 5,600. He's got an opportunity to take some extra shots with Gordo out. It's a good matchup. At 5,600, it's high. And I'm not feeling confident. 5,100 on DraftKings, I think that's all right. I'd probably still look at it as a GPP. But I, I, it's a much better price than what we see for him over on Fangio. Let's talk shooting guards. Eric Gordon, well, we don't know if he's playing. I'm not interested in using him even if he does. Jim Harden's the other big name. 12,500 for Jim. He, is, he dropped 87 points on Fangio in the last game. He dropped almost a ton. 97.75 on DraftKings. He's at 12,800 now. It is a very, very positive matchup for him. Can he can he pay back 12,800? Of course he can. The dude is averaging 73 points in his last three games on DraftKings, of course, fueled by that 98-point performance. Can we consider him a guy to use in a very similar vein to Westbrook? I'm not sure how high his tournament upside is. But for Cash... I feel good that he gets you 60-ish points most nights, but it is getting up there. And with eight games on, you might be able to find your value in other areas, which makes spending that sort of cash on a Harden or a Westbrook, you're not necessarily the greatest investment. Monte Ellis is toast. Uh, small forward, CJ Miles is a $4,000 player on Fangio. He is a $4,000 player on DraftKings, but he is starting. He had 26 points in 40 minutes in the last game, which at 4000 bucks is great. He had 22 in the last game on Fangio at that price, which is not great, but it's fine. No issue using CJ Miles. I would restrict him to a GPP scenario, but he can go big. And he's one of those guys at 4000 He gets you 37 points. That's a great, great start to a, to a winning lineup. Trev Ariza's at 5,300 has not been impressive lately. GPP's only there for him. While Paulie George is uh, is back in business in terms of his pr- production, but also in terms of his salary, where he's up to 8,300 on Fangio. And that makes me say, no, you've just pushed him back up to where he's been. And therefore, that cuts out a lot of the value. Over on DraftKings, he's at 7,900, which is not bad. The matchup is good. The pace is good. I would feel okay about him on DraftKings marginally better than on Fangio, but it's still not a great scenario when we were seeing him come in at Fangio at 7,300, 7,200, and that was no-brainer territory. And that's what we want. We want no-brainer territory. With Gordon likely out, Sammy Decker is the bloke that's going to have to step up. But he's at 4,100, so I'm not really sure if there's any value in Sam Decker at 41. And at 4,000 on DraftKings, I'd say the same. Like, can he get 25 points? You might be pushing it a little bit. I really like Sam Decker, and he did have a huge game not that long ago when Ryan Anderson was out. But Anderson being out or Gordon being out is a little bit of a different story in terms of the role he plays. He still plays those extra minutes off the bench with Gordo out, but not necessarily enough to make him a brilliant type of DFS, GPP, punt-ish type of guy. At Power Ford Rhino, yep, GPPs. Thad Young, just doing it all on the back of steals, but it's not meaning anything for DFS. He is priced at 5,556 on Fangio, and he's not getting anywhere near those numbers. This is not 
uh, not one that I want to go go back to and try and use. Now let's let's talk centers here. Let's talk Indiana centers because it's more clear cut. Miles Turner is at six thousand eight hundred over on Fangio. Is at sixty seven on DraftKings. He's been putting up decent numbers, but nothing that's been really sensational or nothing that's really been blowing through and going, yeah, look at this, this is awesome. So I feel like he's okay. The high tempo helps him, but I don't feel great about it. Now, the Rocket Centers, who knows? Was it going to be Nene that plays 26 minutes? Will Nene play 12? What will the table do? Will he play 24? Will he play 3? Will he be a DMP CD? One thing I feel confident about is Clint Capella's getting 22 minutes. He's at 5000 bucks, And that, to me, at 22 minutes, is too high. I really can't see that being a useful investment. As for Harrell, very unlikely that he plays, in my opinion, while Nene is not going to do what he did in that last game. If you want to use Al Jefferson, be be my guess, but I wouldn't recommend that at all. He's uh he's thirty seven hundred dollars, but yeah, it's just it's just a very very long shot to see uh big Al Jeff put up any sort of numbers that are gonna gonna be useful for us in DFS land. Let's talk about the Washington Wizards. They're taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. The Wizards are favored by one. The total here is two hundred and eighteen points. In terms of injuries, we're actually pretty okay here in this game, which is good news in terms of last-minute adjustments or anything like that. John Wall at 10200 Man, that's expensive. 10200 is expensive. An eight-game slate, I reckon I'll go in a different direction than uh, than Johnny at that price. He's at 98 on DraftKings, which is a little bit better, and I don't feel too bad, and he has played you know, fantastically against the Pelicans in the past, but that price on FanDuel is just pushing it too far. In fact, this game, just in general, on FanDuel, there's not a lot to really love about anybody uh, in this slate. It's not a not a great one to really target, I don't believe. Drew Holiday is crushing it. He is at 7,600. That's an $800 price rise. I hate that price rise. He's at 75 on DraftKings. Look, he's averaging 53 points over the last three games. So at 7,500, you get 53. It's an, it's an absolute win. It's a huge win. But this matchup's hard. John Wall defense is not ideal. He hasn't done well against the Wizards in the past, Drew. He's crushing it, and I would consider him a GPP guy only. Don't feel good about cash with this sort of a matchup happening. Brattles Beal is at 7,200 for Bealy. Um, his numbers have been all right, but they are not $7,200 worth. This is a positive matchup without being a great one. I don't feel good about Brad Beal as being a super awesome option. 6,600 on DraftKings is fine for him, but it's not great. If we look at the shooting guards in New Orleans, Tyreek Evans, Etwan Moore, Bud Heald, Lang Galloway, all of them you can throw as a tournament punt guy. One of them will go off. The one I think was more likely to go off is Langston Galloway, but it could be more, it could be Heald, could be Evans. None of them are, 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 have any use in a cash game situation, and none of them really strike me as being brilliant tournament options. There are better ones out there. Dante Cunningham is a small forward. That's it. Kelly Oubre has got a great matchup. He's at 3,700. Don't hate the Kelly Oubre punt here. I think it's not a bad spot for him. Sometimes I just have these little inklings of performances the guys might put up, and I think this is one for Oubre that yeah, maybe he gets hot and starts hitting some shots and maybe drops a 26 or a 27-pointer and repays that number. But it's long shot sort of stuff that I'm talking about when I get that sort of a gut feeling on someone. Otto Porter's at 6,700. The usage really bothers me with him that it's so low. Um, and that to me, look, 6,700 is a lot. Now he dropped 44 in the last game, no problem, but he'd struggled to get anywhere near that sort of value recently. And I think it's a somewhat risky proposition despite how good he's been because he just doesn't touch the ball enough. Power forward Anthony Davis. Well, we know that he can smash through this 10,800 on Fangio and just the flat 10 on DraftKings, but I don't feel comfortable about putting him in a, in a cash game at this point. Do you? 
I don't think you should. So therefore, let's look at him as a GPP upside guy who can comfortably smash through and have ownership that's probably pretty low. Markeith is at 6,900. He's been playing well, but that's too expensive for Markeith. Same on DraftKings for him there as well. While Jason Smith had that nice little run, but he has dropped back off to limited minutes and limited production. Terrence Jones, he had 31 in the last game, Tezza, but he's at 6000 bucks In a bench roll, I feel very, very unhappy about using him at that sort of a price. So I'll leave it to somebody else to have a crack at that. Marching Gortat's at 6400 So they've bumped his salary 800 bucks on the back of a big game in the last one, but he's at 58 on DraftKings still. At 58 on DraftKings in a matchup that is a, a decent-sized positive for him, I can think that that's, um, that that's, that's worth considering. On Fangio with that inflated 64, let's go, let's go somewhere else because that's not the, that's not the matchup that I want to be targeting or, or just, just common sense doesn't tell me that that's the way that I should be going. Orlando and Toronto, man, the magic are, are horrific. Who is returning in this game? Well, we don't know. We could have some big shooting guards returning, Evan Fournier and DeMar DeRozan. If DeRozan is out, it's all aboard Norm Powell because, again, I will say this, he's good. He is better than Damari Carroll. He is better than Terrence Ross. He is better than starters in the league. He is better than Kent Bazemore. He is better than numerous starters. He is better than Luol Deng. He, how many other guys do I have to go? He, there is, he is better than a, a majority. No, incorrect. He is better than a big chunk, a decent chunk of starting small forwards. Imagine the Knicks. Put him at the three, put Mallow at the four, put Pozingas at the five. Now, maybe he's not ideal at the three. Put Courtney Lee there. Courtney Lee's a decent-sized body and a good defender. Norm Powell is a very good player. If DeRozan's out, all about Norm. If DeRozan's in, there's no way that he is playing anywhere near enough minutes to be useful. Now, he has had a salary jump to 4900 which is a pain in the ass. No doubt about that, because we were getting him at you know 4000 bucks, and you were getting value every time he stepped out there. He's at 56 on DraftKings, which is a nightmare price, and that would even turn me off if DeRozan was in. It wouldn't totally turn me off if DeRozan was out. It wouldn't totally turn me off, but it would make me pause. But it's a scenario to watch. If Fournier is out, it'll be CJ Watson starting again, and he's going to play over 30 minutes, and he's at 4000 bucks. Is it worth it? Not really. His highest score in the last five, despite these in excess minutes, has been 20 points. So at 4000 bucks for CJ, I don't totally buy into it. 3800 on DraftKings, maybe I would look at it as a GPP, but I don't feel great. Let's talk point guards now. Kyle Lowry is at 8800 He's averaging 44 over the last three, which is what he would need to get to return value at 8800 The Magic are horrific, so this could either be a smashing and Lowry plays 28 minutes, or he goes off. I don't feel good about spending 8800 on Kyle Lowry. I just don't think that there is you know, tremendous, tremendous upside in that play at all. Corey Joseph gets a bump if DeRozan is out, but hasn't really been hitting a $4,000 value threshold recently. So I think we can forget about him. While Lord Alfred Payton is up to 6800 He's playing well. He's not playing $6,800 well. So that's a pass. And same at 6700 on DraftKings and no interest in him over there. Let's talk shooting guards. DeRozan, if he plays, he's at $9,000 on Fangio. Yeah, that's 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 not good. DraftKings, if DeRozan's in, then he's in your team because he's at 7700 And that is a great price. And you know, 40 plus, 45 plus should be the aim that you're looking at for DeRozan at that very, very cheap price. If he plays, I don't expect Fournier to play and I wouldn't be using him if he did outside of a GPP punt scenario. At small forward, Terry Ross is only a GPP guy, whereas Aaron Gordon at 5,200, 
I don't really see much use for Gordon at that price with the way that they're currently using him and the way that he's playing. I can't see that really working out in any type of format at, at this current stage. Damari Carroll, yeah, yeah, he's, he's poor. He's averaging 16 points over the last five. You can do better. In nearly every scenario, Jeff Green went from playing big minutes to not doing anything at all in limited minutes. So that makes him just be a guy we look at it as a GPP player. If Fournier's back, there's no chance for Green. If Fournier's out, you would sneak him in as a as a punt option, but that's probably about it for Jeffy. At power forward, Serge Ibaka is not in the greatest of touch. He's at 23 points per game over the last five. Had seven in the game against Boston. But the matchup here is decent. It's neutral-ish, which is fine against Toronto. Um, I think that Serge is going to be a GPP guy here who could exceed 30, and that's where his value comes from. Now, at 6,000 on DraftKings, I'm, I'm much less interested in him over there at that price. I think that prices out a lot of his upside. Pat Patterson had a good game in the last one, but when does Pat Patterson have good games? The answer is never. He had 27 points in 27 minutes, which at 3,800 is brilliant. But it just doesn't happen often enough for Patrick. So you don't really see the upside. Jared Sullinger was a DMP CD, so I don't think you want to go that route. Jonas Valanciunas had 27 points in 24 minutes. He is at 5,800. He does put up points. This is a great matchup for Jonas. I don't think that he is necessarily going to be limited by the uh, Orlando Magic offense here. So it is a decent spot for JV to put up some uh, some okay numbers, but I just don't feel confident about his minutes upside. Bebe at 4000 bucks. I love what Bebe is doing. He's averaging 23 points in the last three. He's getting blocks. He's looking solid. He's at 39 on DraftKings. I, I feel not bad on DraftKings about using him as a cash play, but he's more of an overall GPP guy, but he's definitely someone that you can consider with this current consistent role, but it is Dwayne Casey, so dumb shit could go down. Speaking of dumb shit, I don't know why Nick Vucevic is not getting as many minutes as he is. He did. They were smashed in the last game, so that's why he only played 23, but just not playing enough recently to justify a $6,800 price tag, and Bismack Biombo. I don't want to spend 4200 on a guy that has no hands. Let's talk about the next game now. Where are we looking? Oh, where is it? Philadelphia taking on the Chicago Bulls. Ah, oh, yes. One of these teams is a disaster. The other one is the Philadelphia 76ers. The Bulls are favored by 6.5, and, and the total is 206 points here. Jim Butler and Dwayne Wade will be back starting after that tremendous punishment where they started on the bench and then played 30-plus minutes. Anyway, you know, just really huge ballsy stuff. And then the guy that calls out the entire organization plays 31 minutes, Rajon Rondo. So what are the Bulls going to do? The answer is I have no bloody idea. I don't know what's going on with this team. They are a complete mess, and they are a fade in nearly every situation. The Sixers, they're without... The man, they're without the process. Joel Embiid, who is sitting out the first half of back-to-back, they play Boogie and the Kings on Monday at home, so he'll be ready to go for that one. Let's talk point guards in this one. If we want to start talking point guards, well, there's only one that we're going to mention, really, and that's TJ McConnell at 5,900. That's that's a little high. Uh, 5,400, fine. 59, it's 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 just too high to consider for him over on, uh, over on Fangio. If you look at him over on DraftKings at 5,300, now that's fine. It's a good matchup for him. He can easily get to 30 or 27 in that scoring system. I feel pretty good about him there. I don't feel good about him on Fangio at that price. Now, the Bulls point guards, Jaron Grant, Rajon Rondo. Now, Rondo had 35 points in 32 minutes in the last game at 3,800, which is a massive win. Now, you could absolutely consider him a GPP guy, guy in case Hoiberg goes back that way. But I have no idea what Hoiberg is going to do. And I don't think Hoiberg knows. And I don't think Rondo knows. And I don't think that they're just going to say, 
Oh, well, playing the three alphas together has been an absolute disaster this season. So you know what we should do to fix that? Let's start playing them together again, which is exactly what they did in the last game and got their ass kicked and scored under 90 points. So it did not work and it will not work. I don't see Rondo playing those minutes again. I, I just don't see it. At shooting guard, Dwayne Wade is at 7,800. That's a fan jewel price, and it's definitely a price. It's it's a big price, and I'm not not loving that for Wade at this point. But over on DraftKings, where is it? Seven thousand. Yeah, that, now that's all right. I I can see Wade at seven thousand, putting up thirty five, thirty eight points, and being okay without being brilliant, but being okay there, which is which is fine at that price. Still, Source Castillo, Gerald Henderson, Timotei Luwawu Cabarro. He's a long way out from uh, impacting DFS. Jim Butler at 9,700. Spending up your cash. Don't want to go Harden and Westbrook. Yeah, Jim at 9,700 is a risk because he you know, turded it up in the last game. He had eight points, but he can easily get 50. Now, you almost want him to get 50 at 9,700, so that almost writes him off to me. Over on DraftKings, it's better. It's 8,800. I feel a lot better about using him over there on that site and feeling like he can get 45 and, and get through that value and push through and, and be useful. But the 97 on on uh, on Fangio is not ideal. 5,600 for Bob Cove. He's averaging 29 across the last five. A little bit of a dip recently for Bob, but I think that he is not a bad play against a team who was a, an absolute disaster at the moment, and that is the Chicago Bulls. What about Zip Sanity? Paul Zipser at 3,600. He had 21 points in the last game. He's got some trust of Fred Hoiberg. Um, he is playing okay, but he's not really converting that into great fantasy numbers. Now, at 3,000 bucks on DraftKings, absolutely, you consider him a GPP guy. What if he goes off? Unlikely, but what if it happens? It is possible. Anything is possible. Um, shout out to KG um, with with Zipser and this Bulls team, but I would be, uh, I would be doubtful that that happens. No... Joel, so let's let's assume, let's hope that it's Nerland's time. He is at 4,700, and he should be exceeding 26, 27 points. He should be pushing 30. So you've got to love Nerland's in this situation. If we look at him over on um, over on DraftKings, it's not as good. 6,300 is not a scenario that I really want much to do with him, considering they also may decide, you know what, let's go to the let's go to the shit center and Jaleel Okafor and play him the bulk of the minutes. Not spending 6,300, 47, brilliant, love it. Nick Miritich, ugh, GPP, because who knows? But he is doing absolutely nothing at the moment. And Taj Gibson had a nice performance in the last game. But he, despite, he scored 31 points in the last game, Taj, and he is averaging under 20 over the last five. That's how piss poor his form has been. And I'm not spending 4,900 to find out if it's happening again. 5,700 for Ursan Ilyasova has been really disappointing in the last couple of games. But I feel okay about considering him. And don't think he's a brilliant play at these prices, but I'm sure he's going to be better than what we saw from him in that last game where he dropped uh, just the six points in 22 minutes. He will be better than that. Sharich is at 46. That's too high to even consider him a punt, in my opinion. As for the centers, Robin Lopez is at 4,300. Love the upside. Don't love the player. I think there's upside there. Same with Chris Felicio at 3,500. And Felicio at 3,000 on DraftKings and Lopez at 41. The exact same story. Either of those guys can be considered punt centers, especially in a matchup without Embiid on the court. Let's talk now about the uh, the next game, the second last game that's happening on Sunday. It is the Dallas Mavericks and the San Antonio Spurs. How many people are going to be tuning into this one? 
The Spurs are favored by 13, and the total is 196. Wes Matthews should be back, but Darren Williams will be out with that toe problem. So a few things happening, obviously, in Dallas. Pierre Jackson has been waived after his hamstring problem. Let's talk point guards, and let's move on from point guards in the majority of cases here. Devin Harris is a minimum salary guy. He is probably going to be in line to start. Now, the Mavericks did sign Yogi Ferrell, who will play some minutes, but I don't think he's going to start. Devin Harris becomes an interesting player at that minimum salary that's someone that you can consider, but I wouldn't be getting too uh, too worked up about using him or considering him to be some sort of you know savior for your lineup or anything along those lines. With Tone Parker back, Pat Mills is just not a viable option. Shooting guard, Seth Curry's at 4,000. He's had big opportunities lately. He's not converting it into anything, but I still feel good about him here, and I still feel like he's going to be able to exceed $4,000 worth of salary. Now, if we look at him on DraftKings at 5,200, that's a, that's a stay away to me. I just don't, he has not been taking full advantage of his opportunities, and 5,200 is a big, big chunk. At 40, at 42, 4,000, sorry, on Fangio, you love it. No issues at all. Dan Green and Manu, nah. Wes Matthews returning from a hip problem at 5000 bucks against the Spurs. I will uh, I will look for other players at that position. Let's talk about the pencil at 6200 He dropped 38 in the last game. Yes, it's Kawhi Leonard. Yes, it's a tough scenario. But I like him as a GPP guy. I don't think that it's a horrible option if you want to go mid-priced at small forward. Don't love it on DraftKings where he's higher at 6500 but the pencil Harrison Barnes can be decent at 6200 so it's not a it's not a complete write off it's not brilliant but it's not a comp- complete write off as for Kawhi he is at almost 10000 bucks 9800 I'd probably prefer him over say Jim Butler Butler, but this pace is horrific. This could be a smashing, and that's the real concern to me here with Kawhi. Now, at 87 on DraftKings, that really talks to me. That makes me say, all right, that's a nice price. We can easily get 50 with Kawhi if a few things work our way, and he becomes a very nice GPP type of a guy. Dave Lee at 5,800 on Fangio, and that's that's pushing the upper levels of where he needs to be, and same with 5,700 on DraftKings. That is a no-go zone for me, while Dirk at 55 had a big game in the last one, had 33 points, but I don't have a massive amount of confidence in him. What about LaMarcus Aldridge? He's at 7,900. That's a lot, and that's too much. 6,900? Where he's on at DraftKings, that is fine. That is one I can use now. It is a shit matchup for him just in terms of pace, reducing things. But I think that that's worth a look on DraftKings, especially as a GPP guy. And honestly, I don't actually feel it's terrible in cash. I think it's all right to use in a cash game type of scenario. Dwight Powell was missing in the last game. Let's talk center. Dwayne Dedman, there's no way of trusting. Same with Andy Bogut. Probably didn't even need to talk center, to be honest, for this matchup. All right, let's move on now to the last game of the night. It is the Golden State Warriors and the Portland Trailblazers. The the Warriors could win this by 60, to be honest. They have smashed the Blazers at times in the past. Mo Harkless has been upgraded to probable with that calf issue. Let's talk point guards and let's go to Steph Curry, who had a monster today, no problem, at 9,000. He has done very well against Portland. I still don't have full trust in him as a cash game guy, but in DFS GPPs, I don't know why I said DFS, in GPPs, this is the, the the spot for Steph. This is a great opportunity. He's at 86 on DraftKings, which actually does maybe make him a cash play. But for for GPPs, he is one of the better GPP guys out there. Same as Dame Lillard at 8,300. Love the GPP aspect of him. Hate the cash game scenario. And he's risen by $600 and $500 on FanDuel and DraftKings respectively, which does not appeal at all really. But if you're looking at GPPs, he's got the upside to drop 50, to drop 55. So there is still upside there with him. Clay is at 6,400. Didn't need to exert himself too much today. 
of course, GPPs all the time for him. And Alan Crabb, the same story at 3,700, who had a nice game. But if Harkless is back, it's going to limit Crabb's upside. CJ at 8,000, that is too expensive. I want nothing to do with that. At 71 on DraftKings, it's probably pushing a little bit too expensive, but it is still usable. Whereas on Fangio, he's, he's basically unrosterable at that price. Evan Turner is at 4,600. Hasn't really taken his starting job, the opportunity there to, to really put up numbers you know, greatly. He's still okay, but I'm sure you can do better than him. Whereas Kev Durant's at 10,600 on Fangio, and he's jumped up to 10-1 on DraftKings, which is a little bit disappointing considering how low he was over there recently. It's not a terrible spot for Durant. In fact, you know, 50 points shouldn't feel like a stretch. I like it still, but I'm not as clearly in love with it as what I was today where he was, you know, that ridiculously low price. Wouldn't be using Harkless if he plays. At power forward, Draymond. Love the matchup for Draymond. This is 40. This has got 40 points written all over it. He's at 7,900. He's at 78 on DraftKings. Positive matchup. No problems with Draymond. The um, the Portland power forwards, Al Farouk Aminu, Noah Vonley, Myers Leonard. <laughs> no. Myers, Myers Leonard. Mason Plumley. Centers against War- the Warriors are a write-off. The last time Mason Plumley played, crushed it. So what do you do? He's at $7,000 on FanDuel. That's a big price. He's at 62 on DraftKings, a very nice price, but there's a huge amount of risk. He turned in two turd burgers before absolutely monstering them in, in the third game. So which one is it? That means in cash game, I have no ability to trust him, especially at 7,000. Not a chance. No, no way. Going nowhere near that at 7,000 bucks. But at 6,200, I would be marginally tempted in cash, but I love it for GPP because we saw him go off. We also saw him do nothing, and that's the risk. Now, his minutes have been up. He's averaging 32 over the last five, but the Warriors have an uncanny knack of saying to centers, you're playing lots of minutes, are you? Okay, cool. Well, now you're not going to be able to be on the court for half the game, and that's what does happen unless he's just really rolling, and it is a possibility. Again, he he does have that ability to do that. Zaza not really... uh, not really doing it for me. All right, let's run through the picks of the day before I bugger off for the rest of the day. Let's talk about Fangio. Brando Jennings at 46, Den Schroeder at 68, and Rusty is at 12,600. For the shooting guards, Seth Curry's at 4,000. Vic Oladipo's at 61, and Jimmy Harden at 12,5. At Smallford, Bazemore's at 48. You know that's a GPP scenario. The Pencil's at 62, and Mallow is at 8,000. At power forward, Nerland's 47, Serge at 57, and Love at 8,000. And at center, Rob Lopez, 43, and Dwighty Howard at 73. On DraftKings, Jennings, 44, Jeff Teague, 72, and Rusty at 12.7. At shooting guard, Timmy Hardaway, 41, Oladipo at 57, and Jim Butler at 88. Small forward, Miles at 4,000, Mallow at 74, and LeBronald at 99. For the power forwards, DeMontis Sabonis, 3,000. Mallow's at 74, and Kevin Love's at 8,000. And at center, Cristiano Felicio, 7,000. No, he's not. He's 3,000. Sorry. Steve Adams, 56, and Tony Davis at 10,000 bucks. For the Aussies, Moneyball, Jennings, 36, McConnell, 54, and Russ at 12.6. At shooting guard, Timmy Hardaway, 46, Dwayne Wade's at 69, and Jimmy Harden's at 12.3. For the small forward, CJ Miles is at 35. Paulie George is at 73. And LeBronald is 10-5. Power forward, Dave Lee's at 45. Kev Love's at 72. And Draymond's at 82. And the center, Nerland's Noel, 45. And Steve Adams, 55. On draft starts, Devin Harris, 5,000. TJ McConnell, 8150, And Kyle Lowry, 14550. 
at shooting guard. Miles, CJ, 7150. Dwayne Wade, 121, and Jim Butler at 16-4. At small forward, Sammy Decker, 5850. Ursan Ilyasova, 97, and Draymond at 15850. 15650, sorry. At power forward, Bebe is at 69. Nerlens is at 86, and Tony Davis is at 19-9. And at center, Chris Felizio at 5,000. Mason Plumley 10-850. And LaMarcus Aldridge, 14-250. We are done here, guys. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and give the podcast a rate and review if you could on iTunes and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube as well. That would be greatly appreciated. We are done here, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Hassan Whiteside.